0: The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production
1: company in Memphis, Tennessee.
0: TheOAMNetwork.com. Power
1: to the podcast. I'm Lauren.
0: And I'm Scott. And we're the Reedies.
1: That's right. Reedy spelled ready.
0: It's a pun. One I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing.
1: Ready Ready or not. not. On this podcast, we'll share our journey to becoming adoptive parents while also running a business together.
0: It may not be easy, but you can bet we're ready or
1: not. Hello and welcome to Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business.
0: Recorded right here in our Midtown Memphis studio.
1: Episode 16 already, Scott, season two. 16
0: yep headed into thanksgiving week
1: thanksgiving week next week but i feel like we're already in holiday mode and everyone's already talking about next week so
0: things are definitely shutting down
1: we thought we would spend this episode talking about family differences which kind of brings into play family traditions
0: yeah and then kind of how uh, we're doing some of those in our family with max
1: yes planning our own family that's how we roll
0: yes but first a few things of importance have happened since last week
1: yeah it was quite a week actually
0: uh lauren was named a 40 under 40 by memphis business journal recognizing all her work with the company and in the community
1: yes i just have to say that was a really big honor it was quite a class of um, folks that joined me and i joined them and it was neat to see how many people are doing work with their like doing really great work in their career but also giving back to their community and mission-minded just like us
0: Yeah, it was a great, great group of people and uh, a nice way to come together. We had Lauren's parents there and a few of our uh, key supporters and main people that uh,
1: nominated me,
0: nominated you (laughs) and, you know, brought all that up. Yeah,
1: it was really cool. And last week, um, since the podcast was published, our team, Julie White and Brody Kuhar, who directed a short film that I was the executive producer on, it won... Audience choice at the Indie Memphis Film Festival.
0: Yeah, so it was a hometowner hometowner documentary short, and put together by our team in less than twenty four hours, no less.
1: Yeah, my favorite part about the piece. So it's called "How We Fall Short," and it's about sort of the hopeless expungement process in Tennessee and how frustrating it is. See the link below. And yes, see the link below. And the thing is, um, I walked in the day that Indie Memphis entries were due. And I said, is there anything that we could do that or, you know, massage a little bit or work on or expand a story that we've done for a client this year? And we decided to pursue this story. And eight hours later, we had a short film Mm -hmm. and it was accepted into the festival. So really cool that that one audience choice. Kudos to the team for sure. And of course, last week was also a really, really busy week. You were out of town, Scott.
0: I was. I went on a little work trip for a couple days, made that as short as possible, but you know Only
1: because I really needed your help back home.
0: Right. Uh, we had a big conference to cover last week for the company. Uh, all hands on deck for three full days. And
1: Scott was out of town for two of them. I was
0: out of town for two of them. So (laughs) Lauren was handling Max and the whole company and this big conference. So you know what? Kudos to her.
1: Max survived and he did great. So did I. So we're all good. And we're feeling super grateful as we head into Thanksgiving next week, already in holiday mode, but really kind of reflecting on what an awesome year it's been. Mhm. So, what do you say before we get started, one question, Scott. Are we Hallow- are we Christmas tree decorators? I was going to say Halloween. <laughs> are we Christmas tree decorators before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving?
0: Well, based on what I'm looking at in this room, let's talk about it after the break. <laughs>
1: Okay, Scott, are we Christmas tree decorators before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving?
0: Definitely after. Since looking in this room, I do not see a Christmas tree. And to some degree, it's a procrastination, but to another degree, I just don't feel it until after Thanksgiving. It feels, we always did it right after Thanksgiving in in my family. So it just feels right to like the day, the Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving to put up all the decorations.
1: Which is interesting because this year we won't be doing that uh, because we're going to be shooting a Christmas concert the day after Thanksgiving, but um, I'm wondering where we're going to put the tree now that we have toddler toys everywhere. We
0: are going to put it on a pedestal. Uh, (laughs) As suggested by your parents, we put it on the kitchen counter because that's the only (laughs) place Max is not going to get it.
1: Yeah, we'll see. But honestly, I think you're right. It's actually more procrastination sort of laziness than it is anything. In fact, I was thinking about doing it the weekend before Thanksgiving just out of like pure we're going to be available. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think we'll actually get around to doing it. Yeah. So. Well, and
0: I got to go put the uh, Christmas lights up. I might actually do that this weekend. Uh, if, I think this if weekend. If the weather is nice, yeah, I'm probably It might
1: do have that. nothing to do with like before and after and more to yeah. do with, oh, we have some free time. Mm-hmm. It's really so. easy to
0: put lights in this house though. So I'm cool
1: <laughs> with it. <laughs> and I love that we have a house to put lights on. That's super fun. Um, I'll never forget when we were at Costco looking for lights or looking for non-lights. We were just shopping and I said, oh my God, we can get lights for the house. That's so fun.
0: Yep. And now... My, any, anyone from my childhood who remembers my house, we always had the big, obnoxious, brightly colored multi-lights.
1: And now we have those because I never have, had those. And
0: we have those on our house. There's a family difference right there. It is.
1: Your family had the obnoxious multicolor we, lights.
0: We did. It was always the obnoxious And ones. Everybody else like, it's the icicle lights. Yeah, we had or the like icicle the lights and we had
1: like, they were always white and we they had, always we were. We had neighbors who always yeah. had the
0: blue lights. We were always the multicolor. And then over time, as bulbs would go out, it would be like three reds in a row and it would be all not orderly right now they're all brand new so they're well only a couple years old so they're all very orderly and look clean and and neat
1: and we get to do what we want because it's our family now Mm -hmm. so that's a really good segue into we've kind of put together a list of differences in our family Mm -hmm. what i want to say about this sort of as we head into it is everyone has a different lived experience of what family means to them and what family looks like so i recognize that for the most part You and I grew up in very similar families in the Midwest, both of our parents together, siblings who got along. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for me, there were some major life events that happened. There was a couple major life events that happened to you. But for the most part, we grew up in a very privileged, um, uh, similar households. Mm -hmm. But we thought it would be kind of fun to talk about our differences in families because it's interesting. It, It sort of shapes how we currently approach things in our current family
0: yes absolutely
1: so the first one is really obvious that's family size
0: yeah um and well it's it's kind of family makeup too it's so i have my parents and my and my three brothers there's all four boys which has it a very unique dynamic
1: right and i have four people in my family and it's just me and my sister Mm -hmm. and so it's a family of three girls and my dad Yep. God bless him. And by the way, those three girls, I'm referring to my mom as the third girl. <laughs> so there's that for you. But then I think um, the size makes a difference because four versus six is quite a difference.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it, it's, always, um, it's always a crowd with, with four boys. Um, it's always very loud with four boys. It's oh, just, my God.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, I love I mean, your brothers. But yes. Yeah. We're loud, same We're room. loud
0: people and we like to sort of compete with each other and mess with each other and you know. So it it makes for very so speaking of holidays, when Lauren and I experienced each other's holidays, this was a major difference. My holidays are loud and energetic and constantly moving.
1: (laughs) And not really very relaxing. And not relaxing. Because
0: right after eating, then it gets into games and the games are competitive and all that stuff. Whereas Lauren's is a much more relaxed day.
1: Yeah, more laid back.
0: It's like meal and then hanging out, maybe watch a movie. Movie
1: or football or something. Yeah, very
0: chill. It's, yeah. it's a nice holiday.
1: I know. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. It, it is. I mean, I, I've grown to love both, but uh, yeah. I All think things in balance? Things, something like that? Something like that. All things in balance, for sure. So I think another really big difference, it actually starts with a similarity, and that is that both of our parents moved away from their- primary family
0: yes they left town from where their parents where they grew up and where their parents grew up and all that stuff um so for my family we moved from dubuque to des moines before when my parents first got married like they moved around a little bit before that but like landed in des moines all of us grew up there and then here's the other difference to that is we stayed in des moines in the same house from we moved into it when i was six months old and we stayed there until i was in college and i was 20 i think um, and that's where my parents left that house. So I lived in literally one house that I remember my entire life.
1: And that's so interesting because, so my parents did move away from their family. Um, but we lived in two houses in Omaha, two houses in Cedar Rapids. And they have lived in two houses, about to be three houses in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So the- and my
0: parents have one in Des Moines. And, and one, one in Dubuque. Dubuque.
1: <laughs> so interesting how how different that is. And, and for my parents, it was, um, you know, the house that my dad was a bachelor in was what I was born in. Then they bought another house in Omaha to grow up and live in. And then they moved to Cedar Rapids and bought a house that they could afford. And then in Cedar Rapids, they moved and bought a different house that was closer to the school I was going to. And then in Memphis, they bought a house specifically because my sister was still in high school and it was all the way out in the suburbs. So they did that. And then she graduated and they were like, we don't want to live in the suburbs. So they moved to downtown Memphis. So Every time they've moved, there has been some other thing that has influenced that. Mm-hmm. But it, it just, it goes to explain kind of a very different perspective of how we, one, sort of see purchases like that. Mm-hmm. And two, Um, you know, you have the same for long periods of time and I have the same for shorter periods of time.
0: Yeah. And I think that it, I think it goes to kind of sort of feelings of home. Um, and I'm very much like, I'm not like a, we can never move, but it's not something moving and looking at other places doesn't really cross my mind because And you're
1: more of a homebody than me. Yeah. I mean, not exactly the definition of a homebody. Well, I think your brothers are homebodies. So it's
0: a relative scale. Yeah,
1: but you are more of a homebody than me as a result of that because your home was the same for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of home, when you stay home sick, our oh, family big, approaches big difference. Yes. Yeah, so let me just say what my home. Right, right. My mom's an only child. Okay, so she would cough, and and my grandmother would say, "Do you need to stay home from school? Oh my gosh, do you need ice cream? Should we go to the mall? <laughs> you know, just um." very different approach. And so growing up when I was sick, and I'm using quotations, anytime I didn't feel well, headache, those kinds of things always got my mom or dad to call in sick for me. Um, And in high school, anybody who's listening who knows me in high school, when I worked at the TV TV station, I would work till 11 or 12 on Monday night football nights because ABC had Monday night football at the time. And um, of course, I wasn't going to be into school by eight if I was working till midnight. And so I would often have headaches and my mom would call me in so that I could sleep because I had a job. (laughs) So there's that. Well, she once didn't do that. And I got a Saturday detention and she called and said, my daughter has a job. And they were like, well, you could just call in and tell everybody that she's sick and then she won't get Saturday detention. And then we didn't. So your family, on the other hand,
0: we had the we had a very strict sick day policy in my home growing up. Um. A lot of my mom did stay home doing in-home daycare for a long time. So she was there a lot. But even when she was working, like staying home sick from school, if you were too sick to go to school, you were too sick to do anything but sit in your bed all day long. And my parents did not allow like computers or TVs or, you know, iPads didn't exist. Um, So you had to sit in your room and like do nothing all day day long it was it sounds excruciating terrible. if i had to but, do that now
1: i would never be sick either but now i run a business so i'm never sick right well, well I'm sick, but, but I go it also
0: made you like were you willing to sit in bed all because i had some sick day i had a few sick days over the years and like those days you were super sick it also as evidence of this my
1: enter emergency room visit
0: well yeah okay let's let's, <laughs> let's pause on that for a second <laughs> Uh, When my mom came down recently to visit she brought a box full of old stuff from school and I had multiple some spanning over multiple school years attendance awards
1: because you're an overachiever
0: during like elementary school when they would give me attendance awards for like spanning two or three years based on the number of days it was like 300 days or 400 days of school I was not sick consecutively and like
1: that makes me to sick, me
0: actually that goes to one i think i'm pretty healthy and two which lends to lauren's emergency room thing that we talked about on the other episode i get it i'm going to the doctor more <laughs> let's just leave it alone it's still but a, a tough subject i for also us. was very like if i was kind of sick i'd rather go to school than sit in bed all day
1: so. It's so funny, and I should just say, I gave you the high school example, but even when I was younger, if I was sick, you know, we'd, like, stay in mom and dad's bed, so I'd get to, like, sleep in their bed, and and I'd get to watch Disney Channel all day, and, like...
0: I would have been sick, like, every day under that policy. <laughs> eat
1: popsicles, and, and, you know, the the usual stuff I was cared for, but I got to do it with the TV, which is something mm-hmm. that certainly made a sick day a little bit better than yours. <laughs> sure.
0: I, I may have snuck down and, you know, watched the Little Prices Right, you know... Bob Barker, Price is Right, is what I remember from Sick Days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I did not. All,
0: all four of them I had in my 12 years of schooling.
1: But Okay, so this next one is kind of funny. Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? And I ask that question because in my family, Christmas Eve, when we were in town, when we weren't visiting family, uh, my, my grandparents lived in California and then, then in Arizona. So sometimes we would spend Christmas there and Santa would come early. But we always celebrated on Christmas Eve and we would, we would usually go to, like, the kids' mass, the family mass, and then we'd come home, and um, before we went inside, Dad would go see if Santa arrived. And if we didn't think Santa was coming for a while, then we would go drive around the neighborhood and look for Rudolph's nose in the sky on Christmas Eve, and then Dad would stay back, and we'd come back, and Santa had arrived. Almost always happened on Christmas Eve. I don't, I can't tell you in my memory a time when Santa came on Christmas morning.
0: And so my family had a very like formulaic um, structure to Christmas, but it never happened on the right days because we would always go see my grandparents and stuff for Christmas. So we would always, my parents would always tell us that dad would call Santa and Santa would come a couple days early if we needed it. And so he would come on like 22nd or 23rd, but it was always like Christmas Eve or our quote unquote Christmas Eve the night before we would do presents with the family. And then in the morning, my parents would have the limit of 7am. Couldn't be up before 7am. So we would all set our alarms for 7am.
1: I think that's too early. (laughs) And we would
0: sit at the top of the stairs and make a whole bunch of noise. I'm sure wake them up at like 630 when we got out there. And then like sit there and wait for them. And then we would go down and dad would go down and check first and like basically get the video camera out and do all that stuff. And then we would all run down the stairs and Santa had come in that morning and we would open all the Santa presents.
1: So Santa came for us at night and we also opened family presents like after Santa came. So just an interesting difference. And I think to talk about how we want to implement that for us now, I think we're going (laughs) to we're going to try a couple different things. But I think Christmas Eve is really fun. But I also kind of think it would be fun to do Christmas morning because we never really did Christmas morning. What we did is we slept in on Christmas morning, which I also think is freaking fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, But I sort of like the idea of like, you know, we did family Christmas and then we go to bed and Santa comes tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see how we implement that or how we choose to do it. And um,
0: well, I think structure will be interesting because um in our house like we have a downstairs bedroom and max is upstairs and so like in my house we all sat we, all the rooms were upstairs so we had to sit at the top of the stairs and wait for my parents and like are we going to make him like sit up in his room and not and tell him he can't sneak <laughs> down here until <laughs> after yeah. when we he could do it we would have no idea i know but, it,
1: it'll be interesting to, so, to see how that plays out but i will we'll say that one thing that is sort of unrealistic um in our life versus your family is that you always went back on Christmas Day, almost always yes. to your family. In yes, we Dubuque. saw
0: grandparents. Yeah. And so, all my parents, like all my relatives, live in one place, both sides. So it was really easy to go. Like, to, we always went back there. We would have like three holiday, three Christmases in one day. But. It would
1: be your dad's side, your mom's side. And right. The and, cousins. Then the, and then the yeah. next
0: level up extended. So.
1: Yeah. And so that's just kind of, I wouldn't say that that's dead in our generation, <laughs> but it's definitely not going to be that way because there's going to be times where we're going to want to be Christmas here because we live in Memphis. And there's going to be times where we move Christmas to, to a week or two before or a week or two after yeah. from the celebrating of um, Christmas with extended family.
0: Yeah. And I think that, I think a lot of that comes down to just distance from my family. You know, when, when we grew up, we were only three hours. So we could jump in the car and go. You could go up and back in the same day if you really wanted to, or split a day or whatever. We can't do that to, you know, we can't drive up to Iowa from here right. in one day.
1: Right. So, but the other thing that's interesting about that, too, is that my family, all my extended family, was either in California or Arizona or Omaha. Right. So, we would always, um, when we moved to Cedar Rapids, we didn't go back to Omaha. We met in Des Moines, which is also really funny, considering that's where you lived sure. your whole life. Um, we would meet in in Des Moines and do Christmas before or after Christmas.
0: Yeah, and so well, and so your family like is used to just the four the four of you core group doing all holidays together, and then doing everything else. Whereas mine, most of my holidays ended up being in majority with the extended family.
1: Yeah, I think that speaks volumes to kind of our expectations of holidays sometimes I feel bad when we do something in Memphis because it's really quiet and I think, oh, you're missing the Euchre tournament that's definitely happening with your extended family or mm-hmm. um, you know, you're know, you missing whatever's going on. But I also kind of love that that's the way my family does it because we're so small.
0: Sure. Well, and it, it goes to that that volume and energy level between the two. Like my, my core group family is very loud, but my extended family is very loud, um, very energetic. <laughs> Lots of kids around, always have been, you know, so...
1: Just interesting, and it'll be fun to see how that changes and grows as families change and grow and all of that. Um, here's a fun one, hand-me-downs or new clothes. Now, I'm the oldest.
0: Yeah, so, you, you, I mean, well, did you get hand-me-downs from cousins? You Did not really have cousins I didn't really. who were near your age? I got really. mostly
1: new clothes, at least that I remember.
0: Yeah, I definitely did not.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's a big difference to me, it, though.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I think it explains a lot about, like, you'll wear a shirt, I mean, I'll wear a shirt till there's a hole in it too. Cause I hate shopping, but you'll wear a shirt till there's a hole in it because you just, that you're used to that yeah you don't I mean, need new things
0: yeah it, it never was and we especially with my brother joe and i being so close in age we shared a lot of things things would go back and forth between us between washes to whoever's pilot got put in
1: <laughs> that's true too that, i know
0: it was intentional shannon but and mom I were would too mix far, up yeah you know shirts and went in a pile and we would just keep them and wear them until one of us was like hey that's my shirt and need to steal it back yeah
1: and i was a tomboy and shannon was the opposite of that so she didn't want my michael jordan shorts like <laughs> i mean <laughs> we hand-me-downs just weren't um weren't a part of our family, but my mom was and, an only child, so and she we, didn't and have. We hand-me-downs. have hand
0: me downs to the degree of my mom saved a few things yeah, that Max now hasn't. Max has that were Danny's. They weren't mine; they were Danny's. But it's crazy. Yeah, it's
1: crazy. But I think that's just interesting distinction. Uh, along those lines, what was your family's approach to college? I, I think because there were four of you, that's expensive.
0: Yeah, and you know they they had made a deal with us about splitting that cost to some degree, and so that really helped. Um, but it was also, at least the way I interpreted it, is college was objective based. It wasn't so much like find it was find what you want to do, but it was like find something. Like, well, here's an example: all four of my brothers have basically business degrees. Bob and me were IT. Joe was a business, finance, and marketing, I think, and Danny was a business something at Loris. So we all had like objective, like job. It was it was job focused. It was, yeah, there was a jo- think, there's a, there's a job for this major at the end. It was like very focused on that.
1: Yeah. And what's really interesting is that my parents didn't instill anything different than that, except that my mom went back to school when I was a sophomore in college to get her degree because mm-hmm. she had a two year, she had an associate's, she was a, a hairstylist. Um, and she went back and got a degree in criminal justice and then a master's degree in counseling and now does drug counseling. And um, so I saw... In the middle of my high school career, my mom going back to college and studying Mm -hmm. and being up late and writing papers. And, you know, we'd have to be quiet for mom because she had her internship where she worked overnight, like all these crazy things. But what I didn't realize until later is that she was sort of modeling this idea that college is where you live out and find your passion. Mm -hmm. And she was doing it in her 40s and I was doing it in my 20s or my teens and 20s. But my experience and expectation from college was, first off, my dad's a first-generation college student. so As was my dad. So he, um, you know, scholarshipped his way through Creighton University. And so he didn't know how to navigate the college experience for his kids. He didn't know how to, um, you know, approach financial aid or anything like that. But he knew that college was important. It was always instilled in me, grades, grades, grades. But it wasn't a check-the-box thing, kind of like I thought. Feel like it was for you sure. and your family. Um, it was more of a, well, this is something that my dad had the, uh, uh, you know, the privilege of of experiencing for the first time in his family and my mom for the first time in her family. Um, but my mom did it so late in life that it taught me to have, to to approach it with, I want to do something I'm passionate about, not just pick a degree and run with it. Sure. And and I think... And that's uh, really not a bash on you or your brothers. It's just a different way we
0: approach college. Well, and that's why I I want to clarify a little bit is I think... I mean, my dad was also first generation. He had to struggle to get through it and, you know, really scrimped to get get by and get through it. Um, But I think... I guess I never felt a strong encouragement to get involved in a bunch of things in college because the objective was to graduate
1: which it's funny because i never was it was never pushed on me either but it was it was modeled through how my mom approached her classwork, sure and her internships and and she was you know she was a mom and (laughs) she was discovering this new thing she was super passionate about while i was simultaneously doing that
0: yeah well and and some of it my brothers may disagree with me on all of this i don't know but they'll probably send us feedback i had a yeah brothers chime in we'll talk about it next time um but um I had, I myself was very directed in what I was doing college wise. I knew from what, like I was a third grader that I was going to be an IT guy. Like I knew I was getting an IT degree without a doubt. That's where You're I was such going. such a nerd. So it was like graduate. And like, I knew that I had the job. I was started in the career at the end of my freshman year. I got a job at the end of my freshman year that was on the career path.
1: Which and, is so funny because so did my dad in college. They <laughs> yeah. say you marry your dad. <laughs> you guys have you, a- how,
0: how, how deep do you want to go on that? <laughs> Not very deep. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> it's just funny some of the similarities in your stories. Yeah. Um, but we approached education differently and then you know you and your parents split the cost of college. Mm-hmm. Um my parents certainly helped me when I needed it and things like that but I I I took on the debt that was the debt of college. Sure. Um so it's interesting the different approaches but we um, As we have realized later in life, given the life experiences and um, diversity we've experienced in Memphis, we understand that not everyone grew up with this idea that there was an expectation that you would go to college.
0: Yes. Yeah, that is something that I think our parents, I think, are very proud of, um, that they put that on us. But also, I think, feel like, I think this may go into, like, the whole millennial entitlement thing, at at least for us, of, like... Entitled to these things that were such a struggle for the earlier generation. Yeah, um, and we
1: don't necessarily see it as the same as they did.
0: Right, right. But
1: it was always expected of us. It was never expected that we wouldn't graduate high school and that we wouldn't go to college. Those yeah. were the norms of of uh, you know white middle class upper middle class Iowa. Yeah, where we us. where, we grew, where up. we grew up. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, I mean, that didn't extend across my entire family. It didn't. You know, it was just it's just different. But that's in the neighborhood that I grew up in. That was kind of the expectation and that's same. what we got to.
1: Same, so. same. So that's really interesting how there's differences in how we approach it, but the expectation was the same. Mm-hmm. Another topic, differences in how we approach it. Expectation is different, but kind of the same, is how our families approached church. So let's start with you.
0: Yeah. So in my family, um, well, both Lauren and I are Catholic, have grown up Catholic, but in my family, we were, you know, the stereotype every week, same mass, same pew, without fail, we were there every time. Did not miss.
1: I know those people. <laughs> yeah, they're my parents <laughs> and my family growing up. It's funny because I see those people even now. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. those are the reedies of our parish. Oh, yeah. This parish. I mean, it was
0: like I, could, I can point out where it was like the third or fourth row in like one of the center sections at, at Sacred Heart where we went to church.
1: And you had Catholic education mm-hmm. in large part due to the fact that your parents believed that that was a valuable and important thing given their faith. Yes. Yes. So Advent was a project for you. We talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I how hate
0: my, it. My my sort of academic approach, but um, yeah, it was church on Sundays and then religion class during school. I mean, it was just always a part of everything.
1: And it's been interesting to see how that translates differently for each of your adult brothers. Now, everyone has a different view mm-hmm. on that. Now, um,
0: it's a pretty. It's a pretty clean spectrum if you yeah, think about it. Yeah, it's all across the board.
1: All across the board. Yeah, you got an atheist. You got a um, practicing, and you've got a like a claimed Catholic, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you've got you, which mm-hmm. I don't know where you fall in that. Yeah, I suppose practicing. <laughs> yeah, we're all practicing. Um, my family is quite the opposite. Actually, my mom grew up agnostic. My dad grew up pretty Catholic. Um, my dad grew up really Catholic, but like the old Catholic, the kind of Catholic that um, the priest actually it is it is growing up would like yell during homilies, like scream. It was the most bizarre thing ever as a Man. kid. Yeah, you were scared. So we were creasters, Christmas and easter's. Um, we went to mass every Christmas and every Easter, like I said. And then Santa came, and then the Easter bunny came, and it wasn't until my freshman sophomore year of high school that I started c- getting involved in a youth group. Well, and,
0: you you asked your parents if you could go to a Catholic yeah, high school.
1: No, actually, I didn't until after. Um, I that was that was later. So in middle school, I asked my parents if we could. Joint a different religion. I didn't understand denominations, and I, I said I just want to be a different religion. And my dad said, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, I think the Catholic Church is boring, and that like really screwed him up." And he was like, "Okay, <laughs> have I done a terrible job as your parent because I'm not? You're not supposed to think this is boring." And so my dad said, "How about you don't really want to change religions? What you're saying is you want to change denominations because all your friends have youth groups with rock bands, and we we haven't done anything. So how about we give our church a chance?" before we decide this. And I love that because he kind of made it um, my responsibility slash our responsibility. Mm -hmm. So in about uh, seventh or eighth grade, we started going to church and I was waking my dad up to go to church, which is not how it was in your family. No, definitely not. (laughs) Your dad was waking you up to go to church. Absolutely. We started going to church and we actually started to really enjoy it. And then I joined the youth group and long story short, my sophomore year, my mom decided she wanted to become Catholic and I was her um, godparent. I am her godparent. I'm mm-hmm. her godmother. Yep, that's pretty cool. Your so, mother's godmother. My, I'm my mother's daughter, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she is my goddaughter. Yep. That's pretty cool. Um, so she became Catholic, and and then we became that that group that you just described. We became the same Catholics uh, the, or the same family in the same pew at the same mass every Sunday, and uh, little did we know that that faith would help get us through my mom's cancer and my dad's mm-hmm. um, my dad's triple bypass. So. It's interesting how that played out very differently for us growing up and how that now plays out for us now. And I would say that right now, we definitely, you know, we're taking Max to church and we're making an effort to do that, which by the way, it's really freaking hard to like go to church and be involved and... Understand slash hear (laughs) slash get anything out of what's happening while you're chasing a toddler. Yeah.
0: I pretty much, when I hand Lauren, when I hand Max off to Lauren, I then try to like quickly read through the readings because I definitely missed what they were about. Yeah.
1: I don't even know what last Sunday was about at all, which, which is, I could maybe do a little more legwork there. Our
0: 18 month old child loves to just run. I mean, he's, he's pretty good, but he's just wiggly.
1: Yeah. And I just think that, um, so we're at that, I'm sure a lot of parents have been at this stage. We're at that stage now where we really want it to be a priority, but it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough for it to be a priority because it's tough to get there on time and it's tough to listen <laughs> and it's a tough time to be Catholic if I'm being totally frank um, mm-hmm. in the world that we live in. And so I, I'm excited to see where we take that tradition in our life because of how different we grew up, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. how the foundation was the same. Yeah. And obviously the foundation was um, was started in our marriage when we got married mm-hmm. um, in a church before all of our friends and family on purpose and intentionally, uh, a full mass. And so, you know, things grow and evolve. That's Mm -hmm. what faith is about. You have times where it's really strong and you have times where it's, you know, kind of weak and and you have times where one of you is stronger than the other. And that's, that's what marriage is all about. And so,
0: and well, it's also trained, training and teaching Max, you know, how to, how to act and how to be and what that place means. And so, well, and the church is a good
1: foundation for, just basic, um, like morals and values, and how to be nice to people, and how to care for others, and and you know the works of mercy and all those things. And so, I think it makes total sense that we're doing what we're doing, but it's a hard time to do it. Yeah, in a way that's the same as the what, struggle is what real. we used to do. Yeah, we used to make excuses about why we didn't make mass when mm-hmm. we were not with a child, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's just it's tough. There's there's times where we miss because everyone in the house is exhausted, um, but. We get there when we can, which is majority of the time. So there's that. And then I think we should end on this one because it's a really interesting uh, perspective and approach, and that is health, the differences in health in our families. Mm -hmm. And I think you should start.
0: Um, Well, I mean, in my family, this kind of goes to the sick thing is... Or the sick day thing that we talked about earlier is when we were sick, we just kind of got through it. I don't... like. My parents definitely like cared for us. They took great care of us when we were sick, and we'd go to the doctor when we needed to. But like, it was more try to get through it and then get better. I don't know. Um, and then as far as like long term health issues, there just there haven't been a whole lot in my family. There are a few things here and there. Um, but my grandparents, you know, I had all four grandparents into college um, or high school. I think I lost my first grandparent when I was in, in high school. And then I had the other three until like a year or two years ago. So health and longevity has been a long, has been prevalent all through um, and so it hasn't long-term health and you know the uh, genetic things just haven't really been a thought to me.
1: And my family's like literally the opposite. Uh, my grandfather has always had heart issues. my mom's dad. Um, my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer twice and, um, died of breast cancer, died from breast cancer. And then on my dad's side, um, my grandfather had a number of, of health issues and died of what we think was a heart attack, um, in the, in the nineties. And then my, his wife, uh, died later in life of, um, well, really, a lot—just a couple of health complications. But towards the end of her life, had had early, early onset Alzheimer's. And so, <laughs> in my family, we've got breast cancer, we've got um, heart issues, and and you know, a little bit of Alzheimer's. Um, although that's never really been like proven to be true. It just sort of happened at the end of life. But those things um, shape the way that I see health now. Um, in fact, one of the things I'm really going to focus on in 2020, which everybody says they're going to focus on things in the new year, though, I really believe it to be true, is um, getting a better handle of my health um, when it comes to what I'm eating and and how my body and my genes and my family history is impacted by that, which is something I've never really explored But um, when, and this is not saying that you're not supportive of those things, but when Mm -hmm. I bring those things up, you look at me a little bit like I'm crazy because you grew up on like cow beef and raw milk because your family's super healthy and you grew up basically like an Iowa boy.
0: Sure. Um, Well, and I mean, to to those specific points, um, my grandfather had a dairy farm when I was growing up. So we literally, when we would go to grandpa's house, we would have fresh milk, like the freshest of milk. Um, And then- you know, the whole family would split a cow and that's how we got our ground beef. I didn't know until I was like, I was probably in like high school before I realized that you could buy ground beef at the the grocery store. Like we just never did that. Um, and I don't, I don't have any idea how that affects us health wise, but it just always has been and sort of my view of it is like, if I'm feeling okay, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, which is not necessarily the way Lauren sees health things.
1: Yeah. And that's not to say that like, you know, I'm I'm morbid or anything like that, but I just certainly have more concern for my health in a different way than you do. And I think that's a direct result of the differences between our two families and the mm-hmm. history of both of our families.
0: Sure. Well, and I guess since I've never had those major scares in my family, I don't, I guess I don't go looking for things if I'm not feeling well for a couple of days or like my arm hurts or something weird, like I'm just kind of like, ah, eh, this is part of it. I'll get over it.
1: And I'm like, you're dying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And she's like, go get that checked out. It's a
1: little dramatic, but that is kind of where I go immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that internally as well. But I I think overall though, even though we have these family differences and I feel like we're stirring the pot, some people listening this episode to read, I hope no one's offended by anything that we've said on either side of our families, because really all we're pointing out is something that, that you discuss very early on in your marriage prep process and that is you all we all come from different backgrounds and even if they seem to be mostly the same Mm -hmm. the differences are big
0: right well and and they they,
1: shape how you communicate and the way you come at things in your marriage and your relationship and your your business
0: your default position absolutely
1: yeah but i think we we still had the same kind of morals and values instilled in us and And, um, you know, with two loving parents that are still happily married, Mm -hmm. um, those kinds of things definitely shape and put a foundation for how we view the world, but the differences do the same. That's kind of fun. And also important to recognize when we're approaching something and we disagree. Mm Mm-hmm which happens often
0: Uh, and more and more with max
1: (laughs) thanks max anyway we hope that you've enjoyed this episode it was kind of a deep dive perhaps a little bit of a therapy session and how we're different Mm -hmm. but how those differences make us our own family and we're excited to see how those differences translate as max grows up Mm -hmm. so send us your feedback i'm sure the reedy brothers have some feedback i know that they'll have some comments on this and um, anybody who listens from your neighborhood in Des Moines will probably also have some insight mm-hmm. anybody from my high school or college experience that's listening I'd love to hear <laughs> your perspective and um, what differences you see uh, causing the most tension and maybe uniting you in something different in your family so send your feedback to feedback at ready or and
0: we'll see you next time here, here on
1: ready or not This podcast was recorded in our closet studio in Midtown, Memphis, Tennessee, edited by me, Lauren Reedy, graphic designed by Brody Kuhar, and hosted by the OAM Network. Have you noticed how small businesses and nonprofits are posting videos on social media these days? Every day, thousands of them are sharing video content. But did you know you don't have to spend a fortune to invest in video for your brand? Forever Ready Productions is here to help you out. We make your work stand out while telling your story, but most importantly, getting it done in time to have an impact. The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast.